I get buckets. What's up, guys? This is Blue Wire Buckets bringing you the best perspective from across the network. I'm Justin Rowan from the Chase Down Podcast. With me today is Ben Dowsett from the Sharp Notes Podcast. Ben, how you doing, man? Doing good, Justin. How about yourself? Not too bad. Not too bad. I think I'm going to be a little aggravated in a moment or two, and that's because we also have Andy Liu on the podcast from Light Years. Andy, my brother, how you doing, man? I'm watching Andrew Bogut throw up left hand hook shots right now. That's uh, <laughs> that's how that, that is how the day is going for the Warriors, which you know started could have started could have started better, but it's ending very well. So. <laughs> yeah. good, for, uh, good for me. Good for me. Yeah, we decided to start this recording a little bit earlier. The Warriors are up 32 right now, which I mean, there's when when you have a 30 point lead, it, it's it's pretty stable. Like you, you're pretty oh, much God. in the clear there. Oh God, <laughs> that's that's how we're doing this, huh? Yeah, we're 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 going there. We're uh, we're going to cover everything that's going on. Uh, so yes, this is episode three. For those that don't know, Blue Wire Buckets, we are bringing perspective from across our network, some of the best hosts and personalities, recapping the playoffs right now. So the Celtics went up two zero in their series over the Pacers. Um, the Bucks destroyed the Pistons once again. I don't feel you know what this went on in the Blue Wire chat, and I don't know how you guys feel. Is there anybody that like? Is there any reason to watch those games? Like, I watched game I, one. I, I feel like there's nothing we could possibly learn from that. I watched game one for like entertainment value. Does that count? What what, what entertainment value? <laughs> watching, I mean, watching Giannis is entertainment value. Period. Uh, okay, that's fair. Yeah, the same that's way fair. you get you get entertainment value watching Steph just kick the asses of terrible teams, right? That that is fair. Yeah, and I'm not saying I feel. I, I feel Bucks true. Pistons, and I think the time slots have reflected this. I feel like Bucks Pistons is that Sunday afternoon movie that you would watch, where you're like, you know what? If I had something better to do, I probably would. If there's something better to watch, I would. But you know what? I like basketball. I like Giannis. I want to watch it. It's not the best version of Giannis that we're going to see this year, but you know what? It, it's going to burn some time. Yeah. Think? Oh, sorry. Would it be any fun if Blake was playing? A little. Like, Blake Griffin's been ridiculous this year, but I, I still just think that they're, they're so outmatched. I, I think the, the Bucks are clearly the, the class of the East right now and the team I feel most confident in. So I, I think Blake would make it slightly more compelling, but ultimately I, I still think that that series is going four, which is the only thing that really matters. I think the, uh, I think the Bucks are going to the finals, man. Just not even... Not even off this game where these, the these two. Wow. Yeah, not a shocking take. But, I mean, there are a lot of Celtics fans. There are a lot of people that believe in Kyrie Irving. And, and I guess, yeah. Yeah, Justin, no you, you get that. But Toronto's playing. Well, I don't know if they're playing well. But they have Kawhi Leonard, who's probably, I guess, you would take him as someone who has more experience than Giannis. But I, I do think Giannis is going to be the best player in the East for a long time. I think this is kind of the season where he semester, which is kind of earlier than you would think. I mean, I, I don't. I don't believe that there are people that are calling for it, but he's been a lot better than you can ever imagine. I feel like uh, from, from over here's perspective. So I think this is the playoffs. I think this is the postseason where he kind of takes down, uh, he's going to take down the Celtics and he's going to roll through the Raptors, which is, I mean, that's pretty tough. I'm interested in how both of you kind of see it because 
Uh, you guys obviously have a little bit of different perspective being uh, on the West Coast and primarily watching Western Conference teams. Like the Bucks seem the reason I'm so confident in them is they're the one team that they've gone out and they've had solid performances against almost every team that matters. Like I, I feel like they have a combination of Giannis, who is this guy that kind of breaks the game, this transcendent talent. And he's going out there, he's dunking everything, but they also still have a modern offense. Like they still have a lot of shooters. They have a lot of versatility. And Ben, uh, I'll throw it to you here. Like what's kind of your read on the Bucs? Because I I think this series probably isn't going to open anybody's eyes on them. But if they come out and and they just handle uh, Boston in the second round, I think people would start to kind of shift with how they view this team. Yeah, I'm really, I'm actually really interested to see that Boston series just to get a gauge kind of on that, exactly what you're saying. Like, we've seen for, and now I'm not comparing these teams at all. Obviously, the team I watch the most is the Jazz, who are not doing too well at the moment, and we're going to get into that in a minute. But one of the things that people have pointed to among many that are going wrong for them right now is they didn't play anybody for like a month at the end of the regular season. And now all of a sudden it's like you're playing Houston, who's awesome. You get punched in the mouth and it's like, we don't know what this feels like. We haven't had that for a long time. I'm just from that feeling standpoint, again, not similar teams at all. I'm wondering if that could be something that happens to Milwaukee when it's like they haven't had to play meaningful games for a little bit now. They've gotten some guys some rest and everything. I think uh, Bud is the type of coach that I don't worry about it too much with them. And if that's not an issue, they've really, really impressed me all year. My pick was Toronto at the start of the year for it to come out of the East and yeah. I wanted to stick with it. But at the same time, like Lowry's a big piece of that. And it looks like once again, he might have some like wear down issues coming here in the playoffs. Like it's just a yearly thing at this point. And if that's the case, I don't know. I'm starting to come back on it a little bit. And Milwaukee's looking so good. I mean, I do want to see if they like, if Boston punches them in the mouth at all, I know I've said that like three times, but if Boston gives them something to think about, I just want to see how they respond to that. Assuming that it works out for them, I'm going to have trouble picking against them, I think. Yeah, Andy, what 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 are your kind of thoughts on that? Because I agree with Ben. Like, I, I feel like Boston isn't a great matchup for them, but what they were able to do last year, I, I just think, even though I, I think we've put a little bit too much praise on Stevens early on in, in his coaching career, <laughs> I, I think that he may be able to challenge them. What, what's your read on that situation? Yeah, there's. I just don't think there's a LeBron there to stop. I just... Like, best player, I just don't think there's someone better than Giannis. And un- unless Kyle Lowry's going to, you know, average 25 points to to help Ka- Kawhi out or, you know, Jason Tatum finally becomes what Boston fans think Jason Tatum is going to become, I just don't think there's a team that can do that. There's no Steph. There's no KD. There's no James Harden, right? Right. Um, there's no LeBron there. I, it just If there's not those guys, you've got to take Giannis. And then Embiid doesn't even look like he can walk right now. Right. And so... It's, I'm not saying like it, it clears it out of the way for Giannis. I just think that's how good Giannis is, that he's already in that top five and he's only going up. They have the chemistry, right? Like they, yeah. they really click and, and they're playing great. I, what it feels like to me is almost LeBron in 2009 where, sure, there's not a lot of really flashy players around him, but they just Ooh, click like that. so well. Um, and the, the only difference really is that Chris Middleton is just kind of a tier above anyone those Cleveland teams had, but this really feels like the season where Giannis has really established himself in that way. And I, I think your point is right. Like, even though Kawhi Leonard is out there and he's playing well, I just, 
I never get the sense that he's really taking over games. And I don't think Kyle Lowry has yeah. that in him. I think Kyle Lowry is very similar to someone like Nikola Jokic or uh, even a Marcus All, who, who's also on Toronto. Those are guys that are going to make decisions within the flow of the offense. They're going to play a really smart game, but sometimes you need a little bit more than that. Like, I think tonight we, we saw the Nuggets lose to the Spurs once again. Jokic, 14 Ooh. shots. And you could probably study the film and you're going to see him make the right decisions almost every time. But sometimes you need a guy that's just going to make the the wrong decision and just be like a shit disturber to an opposing defense and, and, and make them scramble. And I just think that that lack of a hierarchy is really hurting Denver uh, when it comes to the playoffs here. That's interesting. Was that a, was that a segue? That's nice. Yeah, that's that's a professional segue right there, you know. <laughs> that that was actually really talented. Yeah, I'm. Uh, are we like to the point where like if anybody's going to be doing some fraud calling, it might be the people I'm on this podcast with. Are we like are we at that point with with Denver? Is that even like a really a thing when you're losing to this the White Walker Spurs or, or what? <laughs> well, my thing is like. I, it's so it's the first time in the playoffs. I, I think that's something that you do have to take into consideration. But I really do feel that there is because they have so many guys that can create a bucket for themselves or for other guys. But because they make a read on, OK, who's got it going tonight? There there seems to be some kind of tentative play early on. And as the game progresses, we see their offense they'll start leaning on someone a little bit more. It was Jamal Murray last game. Wasn't that this game, um, but their, their defense kind of suffers as the game progresses. But um, I, I think early on, they just don't seem to really have an established hierarchy. And uh, we, we've seen that type of style work for a team like Golden State. But at the end of the day, like, you know, Steph Curry and Kevin Durant are going to be taking a lot of shots. And for the Nuggets, I mean, Jamal Murray can be that guy. Gary Harris can be that guy. Even Jokic can go out and, and do that every now and then. But I, I just think that when you're playing with Jokic creating for everybody in the high post and kind of being like a diabetic Al Horford um, and everyone's just waiting for their pass from him, I, 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 just, I just don't believe that that's something that works in the playoffs. I, I feel bad for them because I like Denver's team. They're just too young. They're too young and they don't have enough like top end talent. And it just, it, it's like, like the Warriors, when they were coming up, like they had Steph it, for, sorry, every analogy for me is the Warriors. That That's how it goes in my world. My first thing was a jazz analogy. I'm jazz, <laughs> it's just an easier reference, but like they had, I mean, Draymond and, and Claire are great, but they had that one guy who's going to like, you know, it's going to be, okay, this guy can be an MVP. Um, they had Steph, and so he took down Denver um, in that series, and I was like, okay, this guy, this guy might be able to do something. Um, and I think with the Nuggets, it's who is that guy? Is it, is it Jamal Murray? Who is? I mean, I guess he could kind of be like Steph, um, but he's really young. Yeah. Jokic is a big guy, and he doesn't seem like he wants to shoot, like you just said. So they need that guy who, where you're just going to be like, okay, that guy, that could be an MVP, mm -hmm. um, and he could elevate everyone around him. And so Steph, Steph's lucky, right? He's got Draymond and Clay with him. 
it, so Denver has a bunch of those guys, but they just don't have that Steph. They don't have that like uh, like LeBron type of guy, Giannis, Durant, that type. Of I player. think it needs to be Jokic. Like I'm not saying that Jokic is on the necessarily on the talent level of either of those other guys you just mentioned, and he's not as ball. He's not a wing, obviously, so he's not. I can't be as ball dominant in the same ways. And it's probably an overplayed cliche to a point, but you talk like the the hierarchy thing is something that kind of sticks with me when I watch them, and that's a good way of putting it, Justin. That like. And especially at the start of games, you mentioned it. They, they, there are times where things are just kind of listless in general with them. Right. For me, yeah. at least, especially like during an eighty-two game regular season. But then, of course, during the playoffs when it matters more, Jokic. I've watched Jokic I've, again. Here's here's a jazz analogy. I watch Rudy Gobert all the time. I've watched Jokic take that dude to town a couple of times. I've also watched Rudy Gobert own him. Right. Uh, and the, but I know he has the skill to even to put even a defensive player like Gobert to, to really put some work on him. He doesn't necessarily always do it. And I'm not saying he has to be like a 30 plus usage every game necessarily, especially because of his passing. But I would like to see, especially in the big games and in the playoffs, a bit more of like early, get yourself going. If they're, I mean, if they're, if they're clogging the passing lanes and everything like that, and kind of like you said, if there's some of those decisions where it's like, eh, I could pass and maybe get a 5% better look or. I could just like bulldoze a dude and do it myself. I know that that's kind of old school to a degree, but like if he established, when you establish yourself like that, you set a tone and then from there it opens things up. And for, I don't know, for me, that might change their identity to a degree. Although you could be right, Andy, that they're maybe just a little bit too green at this point as a, as a group and it, right. And they don't have that for that super transcendent talent, even though Jokic is just close. Probably. It's not fair though. They're not a real two seed. It, it's just put them at it, put them at a six seed. Mm-hmm. Like it, it'd be more fair to, it's just they're put as a two seed, so you kind of, it kind of looks dumb. Um, and they kind of got blown out tonight, which is not really their fault. It's just they're not, yeah, they're not a real two. Yeah, seed. They, they aren't. And I actually said this before we were recording uh, to Ben, um, but I, I really feel like Utah and Houston is the matchup of the second and third best teams in the conference. Like those are teams that I, I trust more. Um, I, I saw that being a poor matchup, but honestly, I think this, yeah. I think ultimately this is going to be a good thing for Denver. Like, I, I think you can get your fraudulent jokes in, but like, even if you look, let's say at Philly last year, I think if Philly missed the playoffs, our perception of Ben Simmons coming into this year would have been totally different because he was phenomenal in the regular season. And it's in the playoffs where your warts start to be exposed where teams really game plan for you. They attack you in ways that you didn't necessarily anticipate as a player. Um, And even if you did anticipate, you just weren't able to make the appropriate adjustments. I think for the nuggets to come in here as a green team, this is their first taste of the playoffs. Um, This, this is going to be a bit of a wake up call and, and how they respond to that's going to be really important because I, I, David Thorpe actually had mentioned this on Twitter today, but um, if Jokic can do like a Kevin Love body transformation where he starts really taking his conditioning seriously, um, <laughs> when when you come when you come take his talent and put that in a, a more chiseled body or like I I'm sure his conditioning is good. You're you're playing up in Denver in that elevation all the time, um, but it can get to another level. Like he can take his game and the craft a little more seriously, and that might be a little talk radio gas baggery there um but i i mean just look at him <laughs> you, you can't you can't look at him and like he looks like every single nba blogger and uh there, there's got to be a better way i ben, take ben Oliver that, Jokic, of that's my guy yeah <laughs> yeah no. well so okay has anyone ever done like a like a, a me being the serious guy here has anyone ever actually like 
looked into this and talked about it seriously? Like, is it an actual issue for him? I, I don't know. I, I mean, I just want to go there. I want to hug him. I want to give him Dayquil <laughs> and a salad. He's like a television. Yeah, I just want to give him Dayquil and a salad. Like, I just feel... It really does look like he's sneezing or got allergies all like pretty much the all the time. damn time. <laughs> Looks like Andy on uh, Vegas morning. <laughs> uh, Listen, I canceled EDC the, this year, so I'm, uh, I'm, you know, I'm keeping it chill. You're, Justin, you're you know, a new it's, man. it's a brand new Andy. You're a new man, but I've, it's a 2019 Andy. I, I mean, how much would I, sh- how much would I shock you guys by telling you I've been to an EDC? Oh wait, no, you're lying. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not lying. I, all three days? No, 2010. <laughs> The last year it was in LA. Andy, like, oh, Andy, to be fair, I still make 2016 jokes uh, regarding <laughs> basketball. So I'm, I'm going to recycle some jokes with you because you haven't given me enough to work with. You're not giving me anything. So I'm just going to repackage some old jokes there. But yeah, Ben, I, I think you're right. Like, I, I think that's something where uh, Denver training staff just has to kind of get in there and figure out what he's doing. I you know I and the, and the other thing with uh, with Jokic is that um, he's like um, whoa back to the Warriors shockingly oh, wow. but like Kevin Durant the last couple of days uh, was kind of uh, bitched at by uh, his teammates and and the coaching staff to to shoot the ball more and I look at Jokic it's like kind of the same thing it's like dude just shoot the ball man right like what what is Jamal Murray gonna drop thirty points like who, who are you passing it to that matters like. Gary Harris is is good, but he's Gary Harris. Like he's never going to be that much better than who he is now. It's like who on the team, like Monte Morris and Will Barton. Like all right, I get it. Like these are guys that can maybe score and they're fun guys. But like Jokic, just shoot the ball. Just like make something happen. Be that guy for the team. I don't know if he has it. Kevin Durant has it, right? He has it. He just he's just a moody guy that's kind of just tough uh, sometimes to deal with. I don't know, man. You could Jokic just got to just got to just got to want it. <laughs> talk about talk radio-ish. You just got to want it, man. He's got to want He just doesn't want it. <laughs> well, and like, even if you're not, even if I'm not even saying you got to shoot it 30 times a game, like if, but if you're like, get it to the point where if you're going to be passing, it's because they're doubling you draped all over you and you're getting a guy a dunk. Right. You know what I mean? Rather than getting a 5% better shot from a, you know, a slightly better look from a role player. No, no, I, I completely agree. And I mean, that's the difference between, like, Ben Simmons passing to open guys and LeBron. Like, LeBron is assertive throughout the game, and then he finds guys and makes the right decisions. And I, I just think that there's an opportunity for Jokic to look a little sharper and to look better. And, I mean, if our listeners want to look a little sharper and better, we do have a great sponsorship, don't we, guys? Um, <laughs> um this is fantastic segue because you guys know blue wire we do not partner with just anybody we make sure that you guys are getting bang for your buck and that's why we are partnering with harry's harry's um i i don't know if you guys have got your trial kit i love the trial kit and our listeners can get it for just three dollars by going to blue wire or to, by going to harrys.com slash blue wire and you will save $10 on your trial set. You just have to pay $3 for shipping. So you will get a five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. I love the trial set. You guys check it out. Harrys.com slash blue wire. And I, I mean, that's, I, I can segue into the ad read. I can't really segue out of the ad read. I don't, I don't, I don't shave. I only shave like once every three days, by the way. So it's like, 
It's just like love Harry's, got it, use it. See, I, I trim. I'm Asian, man. I, I, I'm not a, I'm not a hairy dude. <laughs> See, I, I trim the beard a little bit, but then I use the 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 little trimmer blade to to even up the sides and and, and look sharp. Um, because I, I mean, I, you got more hair on your face than I do in my body, <laughs> like entire body. Well, I, I mean, I want to look good. I want to look my best. I don't want to look like Rudy Gobert against the Rockets. <laughs> oh, Ben. <laughs> Hey, look at that. I helped yeah, you out. That's you got you me go. back on track, Andy, and I really appreciate that. So, as I said earlier, I really do think that this is a little bit unfair because it, it's Rocket or uh, Jazz Rockets. I think those are the second and third best teams in the Western Conference, and this is just a tough, tough matchup for the Jazz. But, Ben, where I want to start things off is you would have a better – you have your finger on your on the pulse – in Utah there, what type of adjustments or meaningful takeaways do you have from this series? Um, what what type of adjustments do you feel that the team needs to make in, in this offseason? Because I think we can all agree that e- even if the Jazz do get one or two games here, that it's just a poor matchup for them, and it's a situation where I just don't see them really turning this around and taking the series. Yeah, you know, we talked about how bad of a matchup this was going to be for like the whole way heading into the playoffs. Everyone here was very frustrated when that ended up being the matchup with all those series of events that had to happen for it to be the matchup. Like not even for them to end up in the 3-6 or whatever where they could have gone to the conference finals, but to just get Portland instead of Houston would have been really nice for them in terms of the progress they've made. But uh, yeah, Houston is a really, really like I, I had David Locke on the Sharp Notes podcast, little plug there before the series started. He said he thought that they were actually a tougher matchup than Golden State. I pressed him on it. He didn't quite give me the the, the full <laughs> details behind that. I think I think he just means like from the from a stylistic standpoint, like obviously Golden State's a more talented team. But Houston is the one we've seen, and Golden State embarrassed the Jazz in the playoffs a couple years ago, to be clear. Uh, but we've seen Houston, I think, take them even further out of what it is they want to do. And I think the, the biggest example is what we've seen from them defensively so far in this series. After game one, I was very, like, kind of gung-ho on the, on the you know, this was more of an execution than a scheme thing. And to a degree, I still believe yeah. that. But you're also getting to a point where, like, you know, 48 minutes twice of the same thing, and it's such a big departure from what they normally do, which they're really good at, and they have a lot of muscle memory at, that it's it's starting to make me think that it's it's too large of a departure and all the mistakes they're making, which they are making mistakes. A lot of them look dumb when you look back on it. Like their off-ball defense in particular has been terrible. They're hanging Rudy out to dry. I know he's the one that ends up getting the jokes later. But like a lot of that, I think I'm, I'm starting to wonder whether it just comes from like how far Houston takes them out of what they do. And then as to the second part of your question in terms of the, the offseason – I'm interested in in how they approach it because of the fact that it's so rare. Well, it's two-sided. It's so rare for a team to take them this far out of their game. Even Golden State doesn't necessarily do it, even though they usually beat them because they're, they're significantly more talented. When there's only a couple teams like that, do you consider reshaping yourself just based on those two teams? But then, of course, those two teams are the two best teams, <laughs> arguably, or two of the three. So it's like, if you want to get over that mountaintop, do you kind of rejigger yourself around them? Either way, I will say, I definitely do think the Jazz have 
first of all, they have secondary scoring in mind, like high in mind in the offseason. They need another guy who can get buckets besides Mitchell. That's just been such a clear need for them. In fact, the offense has been the bigger issue for them in this series, as I've written about at Forbes. Small plug again, apologies. Uh, <laughs> and uh, But they're going to prioritize that, and they're definitely going to prioritize, I think, some more versatility in the front court. I definitely see them looking potentially at, like, obviously, if they could get the interest of a Tobias Harris, they would. But even, like, your your Marcus Morris's or your Al Farouk Aminu's, guys in that type of territory who allow you to play a bit more versatile in the forward positions. Because, you're, like, you, as we've seen, they don't have quite that flexibility. And when a team that takes them really this far out of their style shows up, they've, they have, haven't had a chance so far. Yeah, for for sure. I mean, whoa! Oh, go ahead, Andy. No, that was like a sprint, Ben. That was like a <laughs> just, just, just it was impressive. I think about I think about this stuff I mean, way if, too much. It's if Rudy Gobert quiet. was able to cover that much ground, we you wouldn't be having this conversation. <laughs> oh God, that, <laughs> that was, was like good. A, okay. I was like a no look behind the back pass, Dustin. There that was you go. Strong. Um, I just wish Dante Exum was was that guy. I just wish that he was. He's hurt right now, right? Like that's why yeah. he's hurt again. I, I just wish he was. Uh, yeah, it feels like he's always hurt. I, I just wish he was the scorer. He's fast enough to be that shot creator. Uh, but you, like you said, everybody knows this. They need another guy because Donovan Mitchell is either not ever going to be that good and or isn't that good right now uh, to just chuck up like thirty shots a game, which is what he has to do. Because I mean, I, I every time I watch a Jazz game, I just think. Why am I watching Ricky Rubio shoot so mm-hmm. much? And like he ends the game with only like ten to fifteen shot attempts, but it's like that's like ten too much. A lot of um, them feel bad in the moment. I know what you mean. <laughs> like they they definitely can feel bad in the moment. Like and Mitchell, we've seen in select spots when Mitchell really has a legitimate open floor. Like the Jazz don't have too many lineups that create it this year, but after they got Corver, and then there was a period where Rubio was injured for a few games, and it, but even in the spots where Rubio wasn't playing, like. They, you could see sometimes with certain lineups where it's like when you give this guy a legitimately spaced floor, he's faster than everybody pretty much. Yeah. He's got a pretty good handle and things like his, his off the dribble jumper isn't that good, but the problem is he's had to overuse it to this point in his career because the Jazz don't have enough space. I am really like if they could land themselves a legitimate spacing four, Jay Crowder is not that. I know that we kind of oh, like God. think of Jay Crowder as that, but he is not that. Uh, if they legitimately get that, and I know there aren't too many of them, but like even if they got a Miritich, who I know like there's some people here in Utah that really don't want Miritich because he sucks at defense. I- I'm just really interested to see what could happen for the Jazz if they actually had an open floor around Mitchell pick and rolls with Gobert. First of all, when you refer to anybody believing in Jay Crowder, do not use we when you're on a call with me. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure we will have future trades because it, it seems like the, the Cavs and Jazz are just destined to make trades every single year. And you know what? I, I understand where you're coming from because so the Cavs had a similar thing with Kevin Love where he's great against 28 teams. And then there's the one that it was a bit of an issue. And obviously, it's a little bit different with Rudy Gilbert because he is currently a top 15, top 20 player. Um, Where he falls within that is dependent on how you value things. But there's no denying that he's just a fantastic player. Um, But it it just feels like so with love, you you had Tristan Thompson, who was able to switch on to guards on the perimeter. And and maybe that's the type of guy that they need at the, the power forward position where um, you, you mentioned before, I don't think it's likely or even really that feasible uh, to get Tobias Harris, but uh, like a mobile four that's able to switch guys and, and they would have to change up their defensive 
uh, philosophy a little bit to, to have Gobert switched onto the, the less mobile guys. But uh, it, it is going to be interesting. And I do think a, a big part of this, and you alluded to it earlier, is just I think their execution's been a little poor offensively. Like there just has been a lot of missed open shots. And while there's no denying that they're struggling on defense and and the Rockets are pulling them out of their comfort zone of what they like to do defensively, um, I, I think that they are capable of putting forward a better offensive off uh, effort. And I, I mean, when the offense is going, it, it makes things easier on the defensive end. You have fewer transition and leak out opportunities and uh, the other team's feeling a little bit more pressure. And, and I, I think that would alleviate some of the issues that they're having in the series. Yeah, I think it's been more than just a little bit of an issue offensively. They've been like, I, I, I tweeted a stat. I got some some of the private uh, cool second spectrum data that has the shot quality and all that stuff. And their their game two against Houston was by far the best expected shot quality that any team's put up in the playoffs so far hmm. in any game. But they, underperf- but they underperformed it by like 15 points. Like, because they just missed everything and now so okay i want to be clear that data is not like perfect that doesn't mean that every shot the jazz took was wide open the rockets did have done a fan and i should give credit honestly i did it on my podcast last night too the rockets have just been awesome they've played really really great basketball all their supporting cast is playing fantastic eric gordon's been locking up donovan mitchell like actually just in one-on-one not get letting him get around him which not too many guys can do in like donovan feels pressure from guys once he gets into the lane but he can usually walk around pretty much anyone he wants Houston's playing really good basketball overall. And uh, yeah, I, th- I felt like I should give some credit Andy, to Andy, I, I got to be honest. Ben's doing a better job of plugging his stuff than we are. Um, like he is killing <laughs> us in that regard. Uh, for those that don't know, Ben, again, uh, Sharp Notes podcast. Myself, I'm on the Chase Down podcast. Andy on Light Years. Before we wrap all of this up, I do want to get uh, the takes from both of you guys on Ben Simmons. Cause I alluded to it earlier. I, I think the way he was exposed in the playoffs caused people to overcorrect a little bit too much. I think that he's like, he's a legitimate transcendent talent. Like he is tall. He's an elite defensive player. He's a great playmaker. And personally, I don't know how you guys feel about it. And Andy, we'll go to you first, but I feel like, the issues that he's having and the ways defenses are able to kind of take him out of games. I feel like it's a bit of an issue with coaching where if you can't maximize a guy that's six eleven and a great finisher at the rim and a great passer, if you're not able to create some stuff off ball for him to get good opportunities for both himself and others, I, I think that falls on coaching. I, I think he's a good enough player. I don't think he's some sort of playoff liability in the half court. Yeah, I mean, I'd go, I'd go one step further up. I would say it's, it's, it's GM. I would say it's out in brand because, I mean, you throw in Jimmy Butler with Tobias Harris to go with Ben Simmons and, and and Joel Embiid. That's four guys who need the ball. Yeah, right. At least with the Warriors. Whoa, Warriors again. Um, Steph and Clay can play off ball. Draymond Green has the ball, but he yeah. never shoots the ball. And so they can – they had to add literally another all-star with DeMarcus Cousins for it to finally be like, okay, we may have too many people for one ball now. Like that – like Rudy Gobert might actually be right now after adding DeMarcus Cousins. But with the Sixers, it's not only are we talking about like – like let's be honest. Like Jimmy Butler, pretty mediocre having the ball. Tobias Harris, pretty mediocre. Ben Simmons, about the same. Joel Embiid, pretty good. 
And J.J. Redick, he's not going to do anything on ball, so now you got to run plays for him. But also the other thing is they also aren't – they don't have high IQ. It's like I don't think of Jimmy Butler, Tobias Harris, and these guys as being the smartest guys on the floor. I do with the Warriors. Like Draymond Green and Iguodala, those are usually the smartest guys on the floor along with Steph. And so I I just don't think it's a well-put-together team. Like it's nice. The names are nice. It's just not put together. So, like, it's hard. Like, I can't imagine being Brett Brown. Like, he might be bad. He might be good. But it's just really hard to coach that. And then Joel Embiid is a guy that also seems like he just he just has the ball every play and he's right. not the best passer, right? And so it's just, it's just such a crappy fit that I just – I find it hard to see how they can put it all together. Mm-hmm. I don't think they ever could. I think they probably have to – let Jimmy Butler go because it sounds like they can't let Tobias Harris go, right? Because they just traded too much for him. So it's like, but then if you keep Tobias Harris and let Butler go, you now you don't really have enough talent on the team. Um, so it's it's so weird. It just it's it, I think for me it's it it's a testament to how good the Warriors are. <laughs> I couldn't say it without laughing, but it's a it's a testament to how good the system is for the Warriors, how talented players are, and how easy they are to play together. Because it's man, it's hard. It's hard to play with so much talent. It's always good to have talent, but the Sixers. I doubt the Sixers ever figure it out, man. It's just they're too. They're just too too mediocre i think you're spot on andy and i but i will say one thing not to like insult brett brown i think he's a good coach the one area that i do think because like okay so one thing that we saw tonight that was particularly successful for simmons was him acting as a roller role man finishing and his numbers all year have been fantastic for that uh although he's barely done it because it's not something they do often because and you can see why like it makes sense they're you know when you've got Embiid on the floor, it's a lot harder for Simmons to be rolling into stuff because Embi- I guess Embiid can shoot threes, but you don't really consider him a threat there. Like I'm not, I'm gonna muck up the lane yeah. for Simmons before I'm gonna go guard Embiid from the three point line. And when you when you look at it that way, Embiid was out of the game tonight, obviously. So he did that a few more times, and that helped them seal the game right at the end. They ran like seven, and it was actually I sent a tweet that was very Draymond esque how they weren't guarding Simmons at all. His man was sagging the whole way back and like into the paint off of him. So he all of a sudden he found Reddick, passed it to him, and just ran right over to him real quick, set a screen, and it and all of a sudden Brooklyn completely panicked, sent three guys out at Reddick, and Simmons got two dunks in a row, and. But the problem is you can't use that stuff as much when Embiid's on the floor. However, they do play a lot separately, like even during the season when Embiid is healthy. And those are the times when I would like to see them use that significantly more with Simmons. For me, it's like we've been saying with Giannis for several years. The, like His skill set is tailored toward that sort of thing because that sort of skill doesn't involve just like running and dunking. You have to be a good passer and be able to read the game and things like that. That's what guys like that do well. I'd like to see more of that from them, particularly when Embiid's not on the floor. I think they have a chance to make it work because talent really can overwhelm sometimes. You could be right in the end, though, Andy, that it's that they may need some type of a change up there to I mean, make it work. Talent needs chemistry and it needs to fit together. And um, <laughs> to go to Andy's uh, reference, I mean, the Warriors, what makes <laughs> them so special is those are pieces that fit together perfectly. Like, I just don't think we're ever going to see a more perfect marriage of talent and fit than we've seen in Golden State. And I, I mean, there, there's a reason why Andy is plugging the Warriors more than he's plugging his own damn podcast. Um, but but Philly definitely has a lot. 
Made by the team, baby. <laughs> Philly definitely has a lot to process, so uh, they, they'll uh, figure that out. Maybe they'll use Ben Simmons a little bit more in that Draymond role. And as a role man, still amazing to me that they went with Greg Monroe so heavily early on uh, instead of just playing Simmons at the five. Because, I mean, I feel like there is there's a playbook out there. There You can cheat on... You, you can copy some of the notes for what Milwaukee's doing with Giannis. And, and it's just funny to me that they're not doing that. But thank you guys so much for doing this. Uh, thank you to all our listeners. The support for uh, Blue Wire Buckets has been awesome. Make sure you're checking out all our podcasts. Again, I'm on Chase Down. Ben is on Sharp Notes. Andy's on Light Years. If you don't want to go check out those team-specific podcasts, you're, you're making a bit of a mistake. You're missing out. But at the very least, subscribe there. Leave a rating. Help us out. Really appreciate it. And uh, make sure you are spreading this podcast. Word of mouth helps us out a lot. Leave a rating. Leave a review. Subscribe. Unsubscribe. Resubscribe. Take advantage of Apple's messed up (laughs) metrics. And uh, until next time, (laughs) continue doing. uh, I don't even know how to sign off. One of you guys want to take us. Because I was just about to say go Cavs. That's that's how I end the the chase down. Stay yeah, it. just do it, man. Go Cavs, <laughs> dude. Another first round pick. Another first overall pick on deck. It's, we're, oh, Why man. That, that's going to piss so many people off if they get Zion. That's going to piss so many people off. I, I feel like this is either going to end with everyone getting pissed off at the Cavs getting Zion or the Cavs are going to get another uh, Canadian player that NBA Twitter hates. Uh, so, yeah. RJ! <laughs> From your Chase Down podcast. Signing off. <laughs> Boom. <laughs>